hope for the future. Jeremiah 29, beginning with verse 8. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name, I have not sent them, saith the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, that after seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you again. I will perform my good word toward you, and causing you to return to your land. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. These are thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me in that day, and you shall go and pray to me, and I will hear you. I will respond to you. And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. Verse 14, And I will be found of you, saith the Lord. I will turn away your captivity. I will gather you out of all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord. I will bring you again into the place where I caused you to be carried away captive. I will return you to your homeland. I heard the story of a working wife who took great pride and wanting to prepare for her husband home-cooked meals. Because she got home late each day, she would cook all of her meals in advance, and she would freeze them in their freezer. Each bag, each meal was carefully prepared and packaged and labeled. In her freezer, lined up on the shelves, were freezer packets of homemade Meatloaf, pot roast, chicken and dumplings, lasagna, and things similar to that. When it came time to eat, eat each night, she would ask her husband, what would he like? And this is what he would say every single day. He would say, whatever. Doesn't matter, don't know, don't care. Anything will do. You choose. All I want's food. Well, this kind of got her a little frustrated, as you can imagine. She took great pride in cooking the meals, preparing the meals. She took great pride in freezing them and labeling them, having them all lined up there. And his answers bothered her. But she finally decided, I'm not going to let it bother me no more. I can't change him, I'll just change my approach. So the next time she prepared all of her meals, she decided that she was going to change the label that she put on each package. Instead of meatloaf, she put whatever. Instead of pot roast, don't know, don't care, don't matter. <laughs> Chicken and dumplings, you choose. And then lasagna, well, anything. 
Pretty smart, wasn't she? Why did I tell you that story? Because this wife, who wanted to please her husband, is a picture of what God wanted to do to his people. God loved his people. He wanted to prepare something for them that was good and best. He wanted to make them great. He wanted to bless them. But they just didn't care. They just didn't care. And when they went from not caring, apathy, to idolatry, to immorality, to injustice. You see, apathy is the beginning of a slide downward. And once that slide begins, it's very difficult, ladies and gentlemen, to stop it, turn around, and go back up the hill. God was very patient with His nation and with His people. But the patience of God does run out, believe it or not. The long-suffering of the Lord does have a time limit. It did with Israel. It did with Judah. It did with the people of God. So God raised up an enemy against His people. He raised up an enemy against his nation. The enemy was the empire of Babylon. Babylon came against Israel. And when they came against Israel, there was no one there to help Israel. God did not lift a hand. And Babylon marched through Israel, marched through Judea, they killed thousands upon thousands of Israelites. Those that they didn't kill, they captured. And they exiled them to be slaves in their own empire. Everybody in Israel, under Babylonian rule, suffered great agony and suffered great loss. But God still loved His people. Chastisement doesn't take away love. Discipline doesn't take away love. In fact, chastisement and, and discipline and pain and suffering and trials and tribulations, as we saw this morning, are often God's way of saying, I do love you. If I don't step in and do something, you will utterly destroy yourself. So God in love has a word for His people who have been slaughtered, captured, exiled, and are now in a place where they have absolutely nothing. God has a plan for His people. God still has a hope for His people. God still has a future for His people. And God sends His messenger, Jeremiah, to deliver it. As you recall from previous messages, Jeremiah was not a superman. He was a Clark Kent. He didn't like to put on the superhero uniform with the big S. He never saw himself as someone who was faster than a speeding bullet or more powerful than a locomotive. He never saw himself as someone who could leap tall buildings with a single bound. 
He saw himself as Clark Kent, sitting behind a desk, hitting the typewriter. He never wanted to be a prophet, but God called him to be a prophet. And though he wanted to not answer the call, though he wanted to run from the call, something kept bringing him back to what God called him to be and do. And so God sends a message by way of Jeremiah to give to the nation and to the people. I want you to see verses 8 through 10 of Jeremiah 29. I want you to see the message that he brings. He warns God's people against listening to certain people, following the counsel of certain people as they're going through these difficult days in Babylon. Look at verse 8 through 10. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. He identifies himself. He says, I'm your God. Pay attention. I'm speaking to you. Let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you. Don't you let them deceive you. They're there. Don't listen to them. Don't let them deceive you. Neither hearken to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For these ones prophesy falsely unto you in my name. And I want you to know I have not sent them, saith the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, this is true. After 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you. And I will perform my good word towards you and causing you to return back to your homeland. Now think about it. God's people have been slaughtered. God's people have been captured. They're in prison. Others of them have been exiled to be slaves to the Babylonians. God's people have lost everything that's near and dear to them. Their capital is no more. Their church is no more. They have nothing. Everything that they dreamed and schemed for has been taken from them. They're about as low as you can be right now. And God sends them a message and He says to His people, When you're at the bottom, be careful who you listen to. When you're at the bottom, be careful who you listen to and what they tell you is going to be your future because they are not right. They're not right. He warns them of false prophets. False prophets who will claim to speak for Him. He warns them of diviners, who will claim to know the future. It's interesting, both of those groups were working in a nation and in a people who had hit rock bottom. Understand something. We are our most vulnerable to listening to lies, to being duped into things that are not true when we are in a bad place. And God knew that, and He sent Jeremiah, and He said to His people, Don't you listen to them. Don't you hearken to what they say they know, because they don't know the truth. I want us to focus for just a moment on the diviners. 
What did they do? They were people who claimed to know the future through the occult. They believed that you could know the future through channeling or seances with the dead. They believed that you could know the future through digging through the ashes and looking at the organs of sacrificed animals or babies. They believed that somehow you could know the future by studying the stars, not astronomy, astrology, horoscopes, or having a crystal ball in front of you and looking into it. Jeremiah says, don't you listen to them because they don't know the future. A word of warning to us. There's false prophets in America right now that are speaking words that are not true. There's diviners in America who are telling us what our future will be, but it's not coming from God. And we better be careful with them. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 9 through 12, the Lord says a word about these kind of people. He says it to His people then, He says it to us now. He says, When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth you, Thou shalt not learn to do after the abomination of those nations. Don't you do what they do. What, what do they do? There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter pass through the fire, or that uses divination, or is an observer of times, or is an enchanter, or is a witch, or is a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or someone who contacts the dead. For all that do such things are an abomination to the Lord. So Jeremiah comes to his people with a message from God. He says, God loves you. God has a plan for you. God has a future for you. It's not over for you. But you are going to be in captivity for 70 years. Don't you listen to anybody who tells you differently, says Jeremiah. Don't you listen to anybody who tells you they know the future. He says, I'm telling you the future. God has given it to me. Because of your idolatry, because of your immorality, because of your injustice, you are going to have to pay. And the payment will be 70 years of Babylonian control of you and rule over you. And it's not going to be shortened. But at the end of 70 years, you will go back to your homeland. And I will rebuild your nation. And I will bring your people who have been scattered all over the world back to the homeland. I will give you a second chance. That was God's message to His people. Seventy years, not one day shorter. Now what were the false prophets saying? They were saying, well, 
That's not true. There's a quick fix that we can do. We, we, can, we can find a pleasurable escape. There's an easy way out. There's a magic bullet. God doesn't mean what He says. We can get around God. And Jeremiah says there will be no getting around God. Seventy years. You see verse 10? After seventy years be accomplished at Babylon. God will set you free. He will restore you. He will give you a second chance. Now that's what the prophet said. As we'll see in the weeks to come, God kept His word. He always does. And at the end of 70 years, God created the situation and the circumstance that would bring about the collapse of Babylon and the return of the homeland of the Jewish people. Now that's the story. But as I told you, it's not just about Jeremiah and Israel. I think it means more. I think there's a a parallelism to you and I and to our country. As we close tonight, think with me just a little bit. Our country has begun to embrace idols and reject the Lord. Our country and our people are now practicing wickedness and forsaken righteousness. Our country and our people defend what is wrong and punish what is right. It started out with apathy. We just didn't care. And over the last decade or two, that apathy has grown into idolatry Idolatries become immorality. Immoralities become injustice. We've laughed at God. We have provoked God. As vile as it may sound, we've stuck our middle finger in the face of God. And God has been patient with us. He's been long-suffering with us. He sent prophet after prophet after prophet to speak to our nation. Some of those prophets have spoken to the White House. Others of those prophets have spoken in the church house. The politicians have ignored the prophets, and the church has too. We don't want to hear their message, because it's not a message that we want to listen to. So we've decided to follow the Pied Pipers who are blind and they're leading our nation further away from God and leading the church further and further away from God. It's difficult to find truth and integrity anymore, anywhere. For that reason, many believe Judgment's coming to America. Why should God spare America if He didn't spare Israel? Why should God spare you and I if He didn't spare His own people, the beloved Jewish people, the beloved Hebrews? 
Why should God spare us? He didn't spare them. We might see the day when that judgment will unfold before our very eyes. The nation of Israel never thought it would happen to them. They thought they would always be under the umbrella of God's protection. And we in America smugly think the same thing. But maybe there will come one day when our military, our proud military, will suffer a catastrophic defeat. The day might come when we will see the financial collapse of this nation. We'll wake up one morning and all the banks will be closed and the nation will be bankrupt. We might one day see the social, moral upheaval of this nation where our streets will turn into battlefields and all the different people groups that have made our nation great baited by race baiters and culture baiters will turn against one another. We might see things start to unfold very quickly as natural catastrophes hit this nation one after another after another and bankrupt the insurance companies. We actually could see another terrorist attack. And this one could not just take the lives of thousands of Americans, it could take the lives of hundreds of thousands of Americans. What I'm trying to say to you is I don't want you to be scared. God has not given us the spirit of fear. But I think we need to understand that there's a parallel here. And God is speaking to this country. But I don't know that we're listening. God is speaking to His people and to His church, but I'm not sure that we're listening anymore. God has fired the shot across the bow for you Navy men. God has put the handwriting on the wall for you Bible scholars. But we don't seem to get it. Instead, we're listening to people who tell us that there is a quick fix for our problems. We're listening to people who are telling us that all this gloom and doom stuff is just nonsense. It's always been good. It will continue to be good. We're seeing... All of it happened before our very eyes. And I'll be honest with you, I never thought I'd see America like this. And neither did you. We've lost our faith in the Lord. But you know, He still loves us. He loves us as a father would love a child. A mother would love a child. He loves us. He still cares for us. He still has a plan and a future for this nation. We still have a hope. We still have 
a chance. But we better do something quickly. What do we need to do? We need to trust the Lord. We need to obey the Lord. We need to wait upon the Lord. We need to follow the Lord. Stay with the Lord. You see, we can't control what's happening out there, but we can control what's happening in here. And in here. And so my challenge to you and to I tonight is let's not let what happened to Israel happen to America. Let's not allow what happened to God's people then be what happens to God's people now. Because sadly to say, history is not this. History is this. It just keeps happening over and over and over. Man never learns anything from history. That's why the same things keep happening over and over and over. I still think there's a window of opportunity. But we've got to seize the moment. So I challenge you tonight to pray for this nation. Pray for this church. And pray for yourself. I would like to think that we have one more good run in us. But only time will tell. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. They are thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.